final week of that before we begin our new series. And we've looked at things like how not to be stuck, but to actually be uh, spiritually transformed, how to stop negative thinking, and how to have holy habits, all by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And that power, the power of the Holy Spirit, also heals. And that's what we're looking at today, healing power. During this time of spiritual renewal, one of the prayers you may have prayed was, may have been for healing of something physical or emotional or relational. And you may have experienced healing or amazing things already. Today, we want to praise God for what he has done. And we want to pray for any healing yet to be completed. And so we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 5 in the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 5 in the Old Testament. It's a story about healing and a man's encounter with God. 2 Kings chapter 5 starting at verse 1. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now the bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten shekels of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send me someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would not you have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. 
So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimmon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also, when I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. Okay, so Naaman is the main person here, and he is a very important and well-known man in Aram, which is today where Syria is. And he was the commander of the king's army. He didn't always have leprosy. And he had won many victories for the nation. And it says in here, as we read, that it was because God had given him a victory. So God is already at work in his life through the victories that he's enabled him to win. He's highly regarded. It tells us he's this valiant uh, soldier. And now, unfortunately, also leprous. Leprosy... Uh, was for centuries thought of as uncurable. When people had it, it, it that was it. And they were uh, removed from the cities and their families. It's an infectious disease that causes severe disfiguring skin sores and nerve damage in the arms, legs, and skin areas around the body. Uh, it's been around since ancient times, often with um, negative stigmas and tales of leprosy patients Uh, being shunned as outcasts, which we know from other portions of the Bible. Uh, Also, because the nerves and the sores, it would cause a deadening of that area where the people couldn't feel it. And so um, many times people would lose hands or limbs because they couldn't tell that they were in a, you know, it was a bad thing for what they were coming up against. And and so it was really a disfiguring disease for people. An untreated leprosy can cause progressive and permanent damage to the skin, to nerves, limbs, and eyes. And in the time of Elisha, the prognosis for Naaman was not good. Uh, he would have become an outcast. And in fact, he, that he was, the fact that we read that he was allowed to still be around and he was able to talk to the king shows that he's in the early stages of this disease. And the nation of Aram, it tells us, had taken captives from Israel. They had overtaken the nation, and they had taken captives back. And Naaman's wife had a servant from this group of people that were pulled back into uh, the area of Aram. She was a young girl from Samaria, and she told them about the prophet Elisha. And she said if Naaman would only go, that Elisha could cure him of the leprosy. This servant girl had big faith in what Elisha could do through the power of God. So that's what Naaman needed right then. He needed someone with big faith to believe that a big miracle could happen. Faith to believe he could be healed. Uh, So he goes to the king, and he told him about the girl's word. And, And, you know, if he had no other options to be healed this would have been a big deal. He would have really wanted this. And the king says, yes, yes, by all means go. And he sends him with a letter, 
very short little letter there, don't you imagine? It says, hey, this is my servant Naaman, you know, heal him of his leprosy. It's pretty quick and to the point. But he also sent with him some things, some valuable things. Uh, it tells us that he sent 10 talents of silver. And in today's economy, that would be worth one and a half million dollars. He sent with him 6,000 shekels of gold. That would be about $1.8 million. And 10 sets of clothing. And you know that clothing was good clothing. That wasn't just like, you know, shop at Macy's. That was like the big deal, the boutique with the really, you know, $5,000 dress kind of thing. Um, this is some really important clothing he's sending with him. So the value of that, priceless. And it was all supposed to buy the, a prophet healing him of his leprosy. So when they get to the king, he reads this short little letter. It didn't take him long to figure out what he was being asked to do, right? Asking him to heal the leprosy, and he tears his robes. And back then, when they would tear their robes, it was a sign of distress. It was a sign of grief. He's like, what? I can't do this. Who am I, God? And then, is this king trying to start a fight with me? He's asking him all these things, you know. He's really wondering, what's going on with this letter? Because he knows he can't do it. So after this robe tearing and yelling, all the people around him probably were pretty discouraged. And somehow word got to Elisha about what was going on. And um, when he heard it, he sends a message back to the king. He said, why do you tear your robes? Send him to me. Send him to me. I'll, I'll take care of this. So Naaman gets all back with his entourage, and they all set out, and they get to the house of Elisha. And it tells us they went right up to the front door. Okay, so... Elisha's a man of humble means, you know, so it wouldn't have been a really big house. So these people, it would have seemed like a bigger group than the size of the house probably. Uh, think of how big that entourage was. You have the commander of the army of the king of Syria, Naaman. He had his servants with him, and apparently there's several of them. He had silver, gold, and ten sets of clothing being transported on horses and mules. He had horses and chariots and the official letter. So all of this whole big group of horses and mules and chariots and all of them, all the people come up to the front door of Elisha. And it all is there to show, you know, Naaman, Naaman's a big deal. At least in Aram he is. But rather than come out and acknowledge him, and I'm sure Elisha knew they were there, he just sent a messenger. And if we're analyzing that for today, okay, right, being people of God, we'd make sure we had a greeter there to tell him welcome. Thank you for coming. And we'd make sure that the prophet would come out and shake the hand, you know. And so he felt welcome. But Elisha had the word of the Lord, and he knew he was just supposed to send the word to Naaman. See, part of receiving a word from God for somebody is knowing when to give it. And sometimes God says, wait, don't give that word yet. Pray about that. And sometimes he says, in, in Elijah's case, send a messenger to deliver it. So remember, Elijah was the one who told the king of Israel to send him on down. So he knew what the word of the Lord was for Naaman, and he knew how to deliver it. 
And the message that the servant brings is go down to that river Jordan and wash yourself seven times and you'll be healed. Okay, the river Jordan, obviously, from what Naaman says, isn't as clean as the rivers he had back home. Okay, and he's insulted. First of all, he says, he sent a messenger out to me. It's demeaning. He thought, I'm a bigger deal than that. I should have better diplomacy than that. And we think that, for us today, we think that a religious process should happen in a certain way, you know. And usually the way we have in mind of how things should go, you know, in church and in our faith and all this stuff is more cultural, actually, not scriptural. And when it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen, sometimes we don't like that. There's a way we do things. And this isn't it, we might think. Well, Naaman was a part of a nation that did not worship God. Their rules and ways were different. And he was used to more ceremony and flourishes with the religious practices like he had back home. Okay, uh, for us today, we don't want to get hung up on that kind of thinking. We don't need a bunch of hand-waving, as Naaman put it. That's just a distraction from the real thing, from what God really has for us and the healing that God wants to do. God doesn't need us to whoop things up for him. When God moves, when God heals, when God saves, he can do that without any help from us. We just need to receive it, not try to create it. So I have a question for everyone. Why did Elisha send Naaman to the River Jordan to wash in it, do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe it was to humble him. Something he wouldn't expect. And, and here's a really obvious one. It was probably the closest body of water. Okay. <laughs> but all of these things are probably true. Uh, there's obviously an issue of pride with Naaman. Um, he's used to that special treatment because he's a big deal back home. Um, the accolades. He had a preference for how he should be treated. And something deserving of his greatness is what he wanted. And he got offended. That didn't happen. So I have a question. How are we like Naaman today? What are some examples of what you see? How, how people are like Naaman today? Spoiled? We expect to get treated a certain way when we go places. People take pride in their position. Yeah. I mean, how about if you're in a long line at the checkout? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go to self-checkout. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to be humble. Yes. We all think we all deserve some stuff, you know, no matter where we are in the, you know, social levels. Even if we aren't, like, a big deal in Egan or surrounding communities, we still have expectations about how people should treat us. And, and there are areas where we can find ourselves getting offended 
and miss what God wants to do in our lives. Where we think that um, God should work in us in a certain way. And when that doesn't happen, when people don't do something we like, we can get mad and go off in a huff. Thank goodness for those servants for Naaman, right? I mean, they were reasonable people and they said, look, what if he told you to do something great? You would obviously do it, so why not do this? Go wash, get healed. So Naaman's obviously used to having to do some pretty big deal things to earn his rewards, being the commander of all the king's army. And I'm sure his way of thinking was, hey, the bigger reward you want, the bigger price you have to pay to earn it. And that's why he had all this money and all these things along with him to pay for the healing. And Elisha just sends a message, hey, just go down to the river and dip seven times. So easy, like maybe too easy. Uh, surely that couldn't be all he'd have to do. And the servants saw the bigger picture, and they told him to go. And amazingly, Naaman listened to them, and he went. We all need a friend who will help us to see something that we need to do when we don't see it, who will tell us when we're off base, when we're missing it. And these friends, don't get mad at them. Respect their opinion and hear what they are saying to you. So Naaman went down and he dipped himself in the river seven times. And think one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, it's nothing's changing. Okay, so then seven, he goes down and comes up and he's completely healed. He couldn't stop anywhere in there and be healed. He had to complete seven times to be obedient to the word that was given to him. Even if along the way it looked like nothing was happening, it was. He was surrendering himself to God to receive that healing. And it tells us his flesh, his body was restored and became clean. No more leprosy. He's completely healed. Can you imagine that celebration when he comes out of the water completely healed? Oh, it's probably like when your team wins the championship. Whoa! Yay! Can you imagine high fives right all around, you know? Oh, he's healed! Yay! Cheering. Then Naaman and the entourage go back to Elijah in Elisha's house. He stands before him. Verse 15 tells us he stands before him and he says, now this is my interpretation of how he said it. Wow! <laughs> now I know there was a God. There is a God. No other God in the world except in Israel. Your God is the one true God. The miracle convinced him of the power and the existence of God. When we pray for people to be healed and there's no explanation for the healing except that Jesus healed them, then they know that the Lord, he is God, and it draws people to him. Then because Naaman couldn't help himself, he offers all those gifts, you know, that he had. And Elisha says, no, I, I won't accept anything as surely as the Lord lives. 
So another question for you. Why do you think Elisha didn't receive those gifts? Why didn't he take them? The Lord didn't tell him to, and he might be taking credit. He would be taking credit for the healing if he took them. Anything else? Yes, exactly. All of these, like you can, it's saying you can buy your healing. You know, all of this is, it, your answers are, are right, for sure. You can't buy salvation. You can't buy a healing. You can't buy anything from God. It's just received. We can't buy it ourselves, for sure. Next, in this passage, it says Naaman is so happy and thinks he should bring home as much dirt as a pair of mules can carry. <laughs> and, and this just sounds a little funny. You know, he's, he's going he's gonna to take dirt back home from Israel. <laughs> and um, because, but listen, this was holy ground for him. He intends to worship the one true God. Two things about this decision. Um, one, he might be confusing worshiping with God with a place. And he wants to bring part of that place back home with him. Um, he, he wants a souvenir of Israel to come with him back to Aram. And he thinks he needs that dirt to have access to God. Perhaps that's why. Or maybe he wants the reminder that now he is going to worship the one true God. Either way, it is just a little bit unusual, I will say. So then Elisha says, okay, go in peace. So he leaves. Okay, so what, as we've gone through this, what do we see in this account today about being healed? Uh, if you need healing, how, how can you be healed? The first thing is you need to ask the leaders of the church to pray for you. Naaman went to Elisha, the man of God, and in the New Testament we're told to go to the leaders of the church, James 5.14. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. When people have been following God for many years, uh, these are the people that then are the elders of the church. In our church, the people in leadership, the pastors, are the elders. And so when you need an elder to pray over you, we will be happy to pray over you. But then there's also people who are elders of the church who are just mature, uh, godly men and women of God who are also elders. So, for instance... We could ask people over here to pray for us. So, or over here, there are some of those. So what you want to do is make sure that you have somebody who has faith to believe that you can be healed, who has seen God heal people before and believes that you too can be healed. God is in the business of healing, and we will proclaim um, Isaiah 53 and claim your healing over you. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So first, ask the elders of the church, the leaders of the church, to pray for you. And second, 
Focus on God for your healing, not the person praying for you. Focus on God. Naaman at first didn't want that answer he was given because it didn't match what he expected. The process was all wrong to him. The message was delivered by a servant, not the right person, when in fact what he needed to do was focus on the fact that God was going to heal him and surrender himself to what God wanted to do. When you're being prayed for, for healing or whatever else is your need, focus on Jesus. Praise him and thank him for your healing and for the answer for your need. The third thing is praise God for the answer. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So even after you pray, even before the answer, thank God, praise him for the answer. When you've been healed, we, we thank God for the answer and give honor and praise to him for healing us. In the New Testament, we see the people who Jesus healed when they come to him. After he would heal them, they would fall down and worship him when they were healed. They would praise God for the healing. Remember, there's a story about some lepers in uh, the New Testament. In Luke 17, 14 to 16, Jesus uh, sees them and responds to them. They're crying out to him, asking for healing. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. When you're healed, you need to praise God and thank him for the answer, for healing, and give honor to Jesus. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection that gives us salvation when we receive it also gives us the ability to ask him to heal us. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. And this is true for us today. We're healed by what Jesus did on the cross for us. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can come before him today and ask him to heal you, to restore you, to do a miracle in your life. So today, we're going to pray for people to be healed. First, we're going to close the message. But I'm just going to ask you to do it a little differently today. Just stay where you're seated. If you've received healing for something you've prayed for in these past three weeks, would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Praise God. Um, if you are asking God to heal you of something, and you may have prayed for this before, but during this time of prayer and fasting, if you are seeking healing on something, just raise your hand. Okay. Lord God, you see the hands of the people who still need healing. Lord God, we want to come around them today. And uh, Father, we just pray and thank you and praise your name for the healing that's already uh, been done in people's bodies during this time. We praise your name and thank you for your healing power. Lord, we uh, thank you, first of all, for your death on the cross for us, for your resurrection from the dead. Lord God, we thank you that the biggest healing of all, our spiritual healing, comes when we accept you as our Lord and Savior. Jesus, we thank you for what you did for us. We receive that um, gift of salvation, Lord. We want you to be our Lord and Savior. And so, Lord God, we surrender ourselves to you. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done. We receive that salvation in Jesus' name. And Lord God, we thank you that your word says that by your stripes, by the wounds you received on the cross, we are healed. You provided healing for us on, that, on your death and resurrection, healing for us on that time on the cross, body, soul, and spirit. Lord, we want to be whole, like your word says, body, soul, and spirit. Lord God, that we would receive all you have for us, the fullness of God. And so, Father, today as we pray for the people to be healed that still need healing in their bodies, Lord God, we pray that you would touch them, that you would anoint them as we, Lord, put our hands on their shoulders, uh, Lord God, that it would be the power of God that would flow through their bodies and heal them in Jesus' name. 